thanks so much um, to all of our guest speakers today. I think at One Young World, we, we have a saying that there are many deficits in the world, but leadership is really one of the greatest ones, unfortunately. But I think speaking to the three of you today, I'm just so inspired and I have hope that we don't only have leadership within our profession, but really at, at large. So with that, it's now time to head to our roundtable discussion with Vincent and Caroline. Welcome back to both of you. Um, just looking at the time, we have just over 15 minutes to go through a bit of a roundtable and, and pull questions from the audience. So please keep your questions coming through. Um, but to kick us off, I think let's talk a bit about equality um, diversity and inclusion initiatives, because I think we can all agree that they are a good thing. Um, but in the same way that diversity doesn't always equal inclusion, inclusion doesn't always equal equality. So I think my question to the two of you is, to what extent do you see that we maybe have increased um, diversity and inclusion of certain groups, but that it doesn't always equate to to fairness and equality. And um, Vincent, I'm going to kick off with with you first, and then Caroline. Be great to hear from you. Well, I think I think it's a I think it's a great question, and it's one that I think about often. And I think that within um, within the accounting profession and within other professional services organisations, our companies have rightfully so worked really hard on improving diversity within their organisations. But typically what I find that looks like is an increased diversity at entry level. And those, those individuals still aren't making it through to the senior management positions. And we have higher attrition rates amongst ethnic minorities and amongst uh, other, under, un, other underrepresented groups. So I do feel that we have come some of the way on our journey, but we still have so much more to do to get true equality. And what true equality and equity would look like would mean that there were no barriers for people from any group with the right talent who felt that they wanted to get to the senior positions in the organization there shouldn't be any barriers for them and unfortunately at the moment we still don't have that but we actively we are working quite quickly towards it yeah i absolutely um agree with what vincent is saying and um i suppose i might just draw back on the experiences from saudi arabia just um, when when looking at the whole concept of equality so i mentioned um, just some of the statistics if we look at the gender equality rankings and um, regardless of all of the progress that has been made um, as regards the inclusion the diversity and inclusion of women in the workplace they are still ranked at 147 out of 156 so there is still a very very long way to go but I suppose where I would see real hope in that is the progress that has been made in even a very short length of time. And when you have a willingness to um, move toward, uh, forward with this agenda, it is amazing what can happen. And as I said, just to draw on some of the, the points that I haven't mentioned about Saudi um, um, at this point, for example, and many of you may be aware of the, there was huge media reports about it in 2018 when women were allowed to drive. And again, while, you know, people can look at this in quite a negative way and say, you know, it's it's 2018 and it's only now people and like women are allowed to drive. But that is huge progress for the country because, again, it's culturally very, very different. Um, and as I said, but that progress, it is progress and it's all going in the right direction. Equally, when I would have went out there initially in 2013 and we would went out to visit companies because, again, we were looking for different placements for our students, we would go into a different section of the organization. So there'd be a women's section and a, and a male section. And again, there was while there was inclusion of women, 
in the workplace, there was still segregation and there wasn't equality. Again, you move on a number of years. That is now not the norm in Saudi Arabia to have that level of segregation within the workplace. And there's much more integration. And a lot of the time, if um, if women want to work within groups of women, that is their choice. And I think that is a real, um, that's the real key there. When it's choice, it's completely different. And as I said, if we are going to move towards equality, while again, with the example of Saudi, there is still a lot of progress to be made. But a lot of progress has been made. And I think that is, to me, a real source of um, encouragement. Thanks both for sharing. And I think, you know, it's something that we can all take with us is when we do see kind of these initiatives in our in our businesses to really hold leadership accountable to, you know, to say there is a difference between inclusion and true equality. So I think you've both given good examples to where it doesn't and doesn't happen and, and always important to kind of stand up for it. Um, something that we haven't really touched on on in the in the show is is racial discrimination. So um, this time, Caroline, I'm going to start with you um, and really ask you whether you feel that race is still a factor um, in exclusion of people in, in the business and finance sector in specific. Um, and feel free to, to touch on your experience in, in the various countries as well. Absolutely. So this is, again, it's something that because of my experiences in Saudi Arabia, again, my eyes have been opened up to, um, I suppose, the, this whole concept of, and as you say, it's diversity, inclusion and equality. And um, as a result, in a role of as a researcher as well, it's something that I have started to look um, a lot of from a research perspective. And interestingly, I came across um, a McKinsey report. It's quite recent. It's only in the last year. And it actually outlines that while a lot of progress has been made, and in particular, and they were focusing on the financial services sector, they specifically outlined that a lot of progress still needs to be made and um, there isn't equal representation of people from different backgrounds in this sector. And they were calling for um, people across all types of organisations to keep this at the forefront of their agenda. It needs to remain a business priority because in order for us to actually make the progress that we need, it needs to remain there. So I suppose from my experience on this, and I said from looking at it from a research perspective, I think there is still um, a long way to go on this. But again, I would be um, quite encouraged by looking at the progress that has been made um, to date. And um, I, I would agree that progress has been made, but there, there is still a significant amount to do. I think that I look at the accounting firms, looking at the top 10 within the UK as, as an example. I think you could probably count on two hands the number of black partners across um, professional services in general. And it, 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 back to what I was saying that we were... We are making progress, I feel, at entry level and maybe mid-manager level, but we still haven't seen the strides that we need to see at partner level, which is fundamentally important. So I do believe that there are still barriers to exist. And one of those barriers is racism. One of those barriers is unconscious bias. But I do believe that the accounting world needs to focus on the significant other barriers that exist for ethnic minorities and better understand why those outcomes are the way that we have, are the way that we are. Unconscious bias is one of those factors, but if I speak for another one, if you are an ethnic minority, then your parents are uh, more likely to be, uh, you're more likely to be a first or second generation migrant. And because of that, it means that you don't have the networks within this country that allow you to succeed in the business world. So if we were to understand that, then we could better focus on providing support, more support for ethnic minorities when they, uh, when they, enter, the, when they enter the workplace. I think another thing to look at is, when my firm did a study and we looked at when uh, we realised that we had 
a representative number of ethnic minorities applying for our jobs. But when they got to the uh, psychometric test part of that of the interview, that's when we found significant proportions uh, dropped out. And then we started to look into the socioeconomic backgrounds and we realised that if you were an ethnic minority applying for this company, then you're more likely to be from a low socioeconomic background, which means even if you've got good grades, you're less likely to have done psychometric testing, less likely to have been on an internship and hard to do it, and less likely to be able to afford to take psychometric tests uh, privately. So what we've done is we meant that now, now anyone that applies for our jobs has access to free psychometric testing before they apply. And it is making... It is investing that time in understanding why ethnic minorities typically have worse outcomes in accounting and then putting in the right interventions to change that, that will make the difference. And it's moving the conversation from equality, which is providing the same things to everyone, to equity, which is providing support where it's needed. Absolutely. And can I just actually link in on the points that Lynn is making there? I think um, you have made so many important points. And uh, I just want to link in the piece on education, because as an educator at third level, um, it's so, so important. Because as I say, by the time you get to and just choose the accounting mm-hmm. profession, because that's the profession we're both members of. But it needs to start much earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, you see the different initiatives that are happening um, to try and target uh, people who are from, um, say, disadvantaged backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be a lot more. There needs to be. And again, a lot of this needs to be government backed as well, so that it's not just certain groups that may be disadvantaged, that there's actually collectively that everybody can, um, you know, can get the same um, opportunities. And again, just from some of them, actually just an experience I had over the last two weeks, um, in Boston College again um, two weeks ago there were a lot of different Irish delegations visiting America um, as, re- as a result of St. Patrick's Day actually and uh, but within that um, I actually got the opportunity to meet the Minister of Education in, in Ireland and um, equally saw some of the initiatives that are happening between America and Ireland and I just well, I was really really inspired by one of these initiatives and it was called City Connects and really the whole objective of City Connects is to basically provide funding and again it's a link between America and Ireland but it's to provide funding to get access to um, children who are from um, uh, disadvantaged backgrounds to give them access to education so that they can get into the education system um, very early and then that they will have um, equal opportunities. So I just thought, you know, and again, I've never heard of that initiative before. And it's just, it shows the really amazing things that are actually happening out there. But I suppose then from a government perspective, uh, where the Minister of Education was actually looking at this, she was saying, you know, if this can be um, rolled out, I suppose, at national level in different countries, we can capture a lot more people and again, it can really help to um, to bridge that divide. Thanks both. Um, I'm going to ask you both to, I think, get fit for this next question because it's the, the answer needs to be very short and something people can take away with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're listening today, maybe reflect also on, on what that one thing is that, that you want to put out there. We'd love to hear from you via the hashtag um, and, char- and, and tagging Chartered Accountants Worldwide. But the episode is called The Value of Diversity. So just in a very few words, what would you say is the the true value of diversity for an organization? Caroline, let's start with you. Um, thanks, Mandy. Yeah, I think uh, for me, the value of diversity is really, it's about fostering innovation. It's equally about challenging perspectives in a really, really positive way. And when you do all of that, if we look at it from an organizational perspective, I think with those um, ingredients, you will attract the right um, talent then. And um, I think in a nutshell, uh, that is what diversity really means to me. Vincent, over to you. 
um, in a nutshell, I think that it is becoming increasingly impossible for any business to be at the forefront of their area without having a diverse workforce. So investing now in having a diverse workforce will mean that you can build up a sustainable competitive advantage over your peers and produce the business that we, we will we will the type of business that we will want to work in. Couldn't agree more with both of you. We are going to go into our last five minutes at the moment. So I'm going to suggest that I pick an audience question for you, Vincent, and for you, Caroline. So if you could jot down the questions, I'm going to ask them up front and then we'll go to them. So Vincent, I'm going to start with you. This is a question from Jacob in Zambia. And he asks, how would you describe the true value of diversity with a focus on its interaction with equity and inclusion in the workplace? And furthermore, what is the impact of the lack thereof in the accounting profession? So maybe ties in actually well with, with the answer you've just given. Um, but if you could respond to, to Jacob in a bit. And Caroline, I'm going to pull a question from Mika from Indonesia. Um, they have asked, how can a company and its employees adapt to different languages, cultures, and genders in the workplace? What's the balance between employees adapting in the company culture and companies adapting to their employees? So, Vincent, I'm going to go over to you first. Sure. So, I want to the second part of the question first. Um, I think that the impact of a lack of diversity in the profession means that your company will be less likely to have the right voices in the room. And because of that, you're less likely to be able to challenge established norms which means you're hampered when it comes to innovation. And if you cannot innovate, then a business is less likely to be able to survive because other businesses are coming up with quicker, better, more efficient ways to do things at a much grander and faster scale than you're able to. So it's unlikely that your end consumer will continue to choose you over your competitors because they can do things either with more quality or cheaper than you'll be able to do them. And it's really important that when we're discussing the lack, the impact, the lack of diversity in the profession, that hand in hand with that, we discuss the an impact of the lack of inclusion in the profession. Because having a group of diverse voices in the room doesn't mean much if these individuals don't feel able to offer offer up their ideas. And I always compare it to everyone will have a WhatsApp group with their friends. And if if you're talking about going on holiday, for example, if I put in a rubbish idea about going on holiday in that WhatsApp group, my friends will tear it to shreds in seconds, tell me why, and then we'll move on to the next idea. Whereas if I was in the workplace with a bunch of colleagues that that I just met, I'm I'm much more likely to go along with something that I actually don't agree with just because I don't want to walk the boat and I don't know whether it's a safe environment for you to actually offer what I think about first. So a lot... A lack of diversity will harm you, but a lack of inclusion, once you have diversity, will harm you further. And the interaction between equity and equality, for me, it's more about getting a balance between equity and equality and understanding what they actually mean. Equality would be, equality for me doesn't necessarily mean having a representative population. Equality for me means that anyone with the talent that wants to rise to senior positions within the firm has the exact same the exact same barriers or lack of barriers as every single other person. That's what equality means to me. If someone wants to do it and they choose to do it, then they should be able to go forward and do it. And what equity for me is, is it means that there are pre-existing barriers 
that are the fault of no business. But these pre-existing barriers exist. And it means to put people on an even keel, you need to provide support to those who need it the most. And that's how I think we can have uh, equity and that will lead to equality of outcomes. Thank you. Over to Caroline. Uh, great. Thank you, Mika, for your question. Um, so just very um, briefly, and again, I'll just draw on my experiences of uh, when I actually moved to Saudi Arabia, and you asked about the challenges in terms of adapting to different cultures and languages within um, an employment setting. Again, if you think about it, we went to Saudi Arabia again. I didn't really know that much about the country. I didn't speak Arabic. And what I found was the absolute critical success factors to make that partnership work was, number one, having respect um, for the differences in between our team and the team that we were joining and equally um, collaborating together to make it work. And I have to say, over the over the space of time that we were there, we very, very much found that we had to collaborate together. We had to work together. And what we learned from um, the Saudi um, staff and what they learned from us, it led to this really, really, um, I suppose, successful partnership where we all collectively together got to, um, to work on such an important project. So again, for me really in a nutshell what was so important there was just respect for everybody in your team and I think when you have that you can achieve so much. Such a great summary of it. I'm going to take one last question from the audience um, because I think it's important and Vincent coming I think from kind of the, the big four background and, and, and corporate world that you're in now. Um, Deirdre has asked if there's any sense that larger organizations are talking diversity and integration but not really doing much about it. So is it more of just a talk shop or is there real action in business? I can. I find it difficult to speak for other companies, but speaking for mine and speaking from the interactions that I have had with other company, I truly believe that at the top level, I think that the senior leaders get it. And I think that they are trying their best at senior leadership level to make uh, to make strides forward. And I believe that because I've had the opportunity to work with my senior leadership team and I can truly say that there is no bigger priority for them. And I feel that that is mirrored when I've had the opportunity to speak with senior leaders from, from other companies. And that's because even more so than the moral case, they just understand naturally the economic imperative for diversity. And they know that it's so important for the survival of their businesses. And what, where I find uh, more trouble is actually in we look at our senior leaders like, like superheroes, and to some respects they are, but the environment that they're in now where being technically strong isn't good enough, where you have to be a politician, where you have to be in tune with what's going on today, where you have to be up to date with extant events, and you have to know what to say, when to say it, and you need to say it quickly, I feel that we need to sometimes have more patience with them on that and give them the space to get things wrong as well, because they've been frosted, they've been frosted into a role which there's no adequate training or preparation for. And because of that, it may seem that they're not moving quick enough, but I do think that they are trying. And senior leaders are the ones that I can come up with policies, but it needs to be implemented at manager level. And I feel that the manager level is actually where sometimes we find the biggest barrier to having a diverse and inclusive workforce in the future. So it, so I do I do truly believe that our senior leaders are really trying to make a difference, but that difference is going to take time. They're going to get it wrong often, so we will have to be patient with them. And we need to ask for more from that mid-manager level to implement those inclusive policies within our workplaces. 
Thanks so much, Vincent and Caroline. I think this has been such a valuable session. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope this is the first discussion of many and that we'll see you in many different platforms. Um, to everyone in the audience, thank you for joining us tonight. Please look out for the invitation to the next Difference Makers um, series. It's happening on the 31st of May. We'll be talking about what's become known as the parallel pandemic, which is mental health, um, but really talking about why mental health matters and how you can make it a priority in your life. So thank you so much and look forward to seeing you at the end of May.